Operation Hour on America's Web Radio. It's great to be with you again this week, David. There was uh, big news yesterday uh, in the immigration area in Georgia. As our listeners know, I have been the uh, plaintiff's attorney uh, seeking in-state tuition for DACA recipients. And uh, we did our oral argument in front of the Supreme Court on the issue of sovereign immunity. Remember that uh, I was uh, trying to seek a clarification of what two words mean within the Board of Regents policy, um, and those larger lawful presence. And was just, I thought it was a very simple request, but it blossomed into this massive lawsuit about whether you could actually bring a declaratory judgment action against a Georgia entity, against a state agency of any kind, uh, unless there was specific authorization to do so within the Declaratory Judgment Act or the APA. Now, my argument... Uh, morphed ultimately into arguing that the Board of Regents was clearly a state agency. The state, the Supreme Court has ruled it's a state agency in, in other contexts. And for example, the Open Records Act, it's considered a state agency. So I don't know how you could be a state agency for one purpose, not for the other. And I think the Supreme Court sidestepped that issue because, in an opinion yesterday, in ruling against me, and in finding that sovereign immunity barred my lawsuit uh, for declaratory judgment relief, uh, the state said, we are not going to find today whether or not the uh, Board of Regents is a state agency because it's not necessary. Uh, and here's what they said. And this is the kind of logic that I, I think is just wrong. Unfortunately, I can't appeal it anywhere else, so it's stuck with the law of the state. It said the Board of Regents did not promulgate their policy within the context of the APA, and therefore there's no jurisdiction under the APA for you to get a declaratory judgment action filed. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. So they intentionally don't follow the law on the APA, arguing they themselves are not subject to it, even and you are not ruling whether they are or not subject to it, but you're saying that because they chose not to follow the APA, now I can't get a ruling on what these words mean? I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. So basically, they just they gave they they, they made it easy. They, they took it out when they could have just said, you know what, Board of Regents, you cleared something to the APA. The fact that you didn't promulgate your regs, uh, your policy according to the APA, that's not Cook's fault. It's your fault. So we're going to let him go ahead with his deck action. But no. Nope. Uh, and here's why. And we mentioned this when I came back from the oral argument uh, in November. Um, one of the justices in oral argument said, "Well, Mr. Cook." Why haven't you pursued this action under the state's mandamus action? Now, under the state's declaratory judgment action for our legal listeners, of course, you, you're seeking to declare. I want the judge to declare what a law means. Okay, It's unclear. Well, mandamus doesn't necessarily get me. The mandamus says, I want a judge to order a state official to carry out a legal public duty that he has that he's not currently doing. And when I initially looked at this lawsuit, I didn't really didn't think that mandamus was the appropriate uh, process because, you know, the, uh, the publication would always unclear what I have to do, and my interpretation is right. But now we are forced to follow the state's mandamus action. So you know what we're going to do now, David? I'm kind of excited about this. We have to individually sue all 19 members of the Board of Regents, who, by the way, live all over the state of Georgia under the state mandamus statute with the legal theory uh, that they have a legal obligation to authorize in-state tuition according to their own policy, which 
arguably on their point is vague. I don't think it's vague because they use the words lawful presence and lawful presence has very specific meaning. Um, so we have to prepare another lawsuit and we're going to get ready to serve all 19 members of the Board of Regents. We're going to call them the guys, right? Uh, David, I didn't know. Do you know who the Board of Regents are? Do you have any idea? Could you pick them out of a lineup of 20 people, the 19 of them? Or no, either could I. So I Googled them. Okay. And, you know, these guys are very interesting. And when I say guys, David, I don't mean that euphemistically. Of the 19 members of the Board of Regents, 16 are basically old white men, uh, two are white women, and there's one African-American guy. So they're just basically all guys. They do a perfect job of not resembling any campus in Georgia. It's no wonder they're not giving these kids ain't state tuition. They don't get it. They're not there. Um, I did see that the CEO of my bank's on the Board of Regents. I think him and I are going to have a chat about that. <laughs> I think him and I are going to have a chat about that. Uh, and uh, I'm, uh, But I'm really excited to go forward. The kids, uh, we had a press conference yesterday. Uh, you can pick it up and Google me and press conference and DACA and tuition, and you'll come up uh, various different sites. Uh, but it was really interesting. I had three of the young men uh, that we're fighting for around me, two of our named plaintiffs, and another one of our other members. And uh, these kids are unbowed. I mean, they're not broken. They're not like, oh, my gosh, my life is over now. I can't. Because they realize that the march, the, the, the litigation, the, 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 the law process is slow. You know, it's reminiscent of the old saying, the, the wheels of justice grind slowly, but they grind ever so fine. Um, so, you know, we're going to keep fighting. I, uh, to me, it was, uh, I didn't view it as a setback. I actually think it's more of a setback for Georgia generally. Because now the Supreme Court is saying that if you, David uh, Moxley, have a problem with a state agency because you believe they're misinterpreting the law, you can no longer go to a state court and ask that state court to clarify what that law means. There's simply no jurisdiction to do that. Um, so basically, if you're, a, if you're a government bureaucrat employee and you create a state policy or your agency creates a state policy... You can enforce that any way you want to, and nobody can do anything about it. That I mean that that that's what the Supreme Court said yesterday. I mean, I think that's monumentally wrong. So, will this become a uh, a case that other situations can come to and look at what the uh, yeah? In fact, I was I was helping another argument going forward. Uh, I have a, a colleague in the law who works, uh, works for an organization you m- may be familiar with um, uh, called the ACLU. <laughs> okay? And they have a case coming up, and you'll find this fascinating. They have this exact issue in oral argument before the Supreme Court on the 22nd of February. Uh, what, what is ACLU doing? Okay, well, apparently the International Order of the Ku Klux Klan would like their name on a road sign as they pick up litter. And they want the sign that's near the border with Tennessee. I don't know what's so important about Tennessee. Maybe they all live in Tennessee. And I know, shockingly, the State Department of Transportation denied them the right to pick up litter and to have their name on the sign. Uh, now, David, here's what's really interesting. Do you know what the regulations are to get a sign on the highway to pick up litter? No idea. You know why you don't know them? 
because there aren't any. Oh. <laughs> they just don't exist. So literally, there's no standard by which to judge it by. And so this lawsuit was filed. Is, is it a state or is it a county? It's a state. Thing? It's a state. Or it's a, state. It's a state. The DOT does these. Strictly state, the, the state DOT? department. Strictly the DOT. Um, and so uh, the the ACLU, on behalf of the International Order of the KKK, ACLU represents. I mean, if it's a freedom of speech issue, you should be grateful for the ACLU to be. You might not think that they're great people or good people, but I can tell you. They fight for the Constitution, and you might. And this is this is a free speech issue. You might hate the speech. I mean, this guy's like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of my client, but it's not really the client we're here for. We're here for the Constitution, and um, so uh, what bothers the, the case? How this affects them is what they had filed a declaratory judgment action. What are the policies on, and are they constitutionally correct in the context of this? I mean. And I think my case basically shuts him down. Hmm. So you know, today it's today it's the KKK. Nobody, nobody's going to cry a tear over the KKK not getting a road sign. And frankly, I think they could have said, you know, why we're going to deny you the road sign? Because we can't afford to repaint it and replace it every day. Because <laughs> you know, if they get a sign, it's going to be defaced every freaking day. Um, <clears throat> That's a better reason to say we don't like your speech because what they said is uh, you historically stand for bad things and so we're not going to put your name up. Well, state can't judge speech. I mean, I like the speech, but it, speech is a speech. Um, so I just think it's interesting that this issue already has an immediate impact. Already has an immediate impact. So the case itself was not necessarily about DACA or in-state tuition. In fact, that was really not part of their decision at all. Uh, but it will be part of the next session. So I'm kind of excited about this. We'll be filing in Fulton County uh, this next week. I was going to try to do it by Friday, but it turns out I'm, I'm speaking at the Miami Conference of the, uh, the, uh, of the uh, South Florida chapter of the American Immigration Lawyers Association Thursday and Friday. So I'm, I will be down. I'll be out of town. Um, and uh, we'll hopefully get this done, get it filed Monday or Tuesday. Uh, these kids will then serve. They will, I will actually give them the documents to serve individually each member of the Board of Regents at their house. I think that's going to be fun. I think some of them are really, really, really going to enjoy this. I think they're really going to enjoy it. So that. it's none of my business and and none of our audience. Are you doing this pro bono? Yes. Yeah, this is all free. I, this is a very important issue to me. Thank uh, you for asking. This is a very, very important issue to me. Uh, I, I just think, I think it's morally bankrupt of a society to refuse to educate people. I mean, I just I think that's morally bankrupt. I think that's there's there's no legitimate reason other than punishment to refuse to educate. Now, basically, somebody. all you're asking for is that they get treated like end state. Well, that they if they meet the other residency requirements, mm-hmm. I'm not asking for any special treatment. If they meet every residence, and they're tough in Georgia, residency requirements are tough in Georgia. If they meet every residency requirement, then they should be given in state tuition. And the Board of Regents is saying, well, because you have DACA, you can't. Well, that's just, that's just morally wrong. Why, why would you do that? These are kids that, by necessity, to meet Georgia residency requirements, have lived here for X number of years. Their parents live here and pay taxes. They have a lawful right to be in the U.S., which they do. They're lawfully present in the United States. Uh, and uh, they typically graduate from Georgia high school. So the Georgia taxpayer has already paid for these kids' base education. Painted in such a way, it animated them in such a way that they want to get more education. We should be cheering from the rooftops 
that kids want to go to college. I mean, how many Anglo kids say, oh, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm going to go do drugs or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go work at the, the Burger King, whatever. These kids want to go. But when they are paying for two classes at Perimeter, $5,000. Two classes cost them $5,000 for out-of-state tuition. Now, when you're making near minimum wage, which most of these kids, they're all working, okay? They're all working full-time, if not one or two jobs. They're going to go to class six hours a week, two classes, right? So they're really going to they're be in that class six hours a week, two, three-credit-hour classes. Um, they got to work 40, 60, 80 hours a week to pay for those six hours a week, and they're doing it. If they were given in-state tuition, they'd be paying less than half of that for a full load to take four or six classes. Do you know how long it takes somebody to graduate? It takes two classes a semester? Huh. You're talking like 15 to 20 years. This is And this is stupid, especially when the Board of Regents has said that people from out of state, North joining states, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida, can go to school in Georgia under in-state tuition rules if they go to a certain colleges in South Georgia. They're poorly attended. Wait, poorly attended? You mean, wait a second. And I was asked this or argument when I said this had no cost to the state. I said, of course it has cost to the state because they're not going to get paid. You know, they're not paying out of state tuition. I said, look, justice. If they're not paying tuition at all, then how are they losing any money? Two, the state, we're talking anywhere, let's say maximum five or 6,000 kids, maximum. How many key people attend our state schools already? 300,000, 400,000 kids? So you're basically going to add like 2%, 3%. Are you going to have to add teachers? No. Why? Because we already know certain schools don't have enough students. They're talking about closing some schools and combining schools because they don't have enough students. So there's literally no money lost as part of this process. So if there's no economic, if there's no negative economic impact, uh, and there's no, uh, uh, and there's a, there's a huge upside to kids getting educated and paying more taxes, then why refuse them tuition? Well, that's easy. Punish them. Anti-immigration. Come right back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Hi, Marita News, and I would like to invite you to listen live or download my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, so, David, yesterday the kids uh, around the state of Georgia took this uh, news with with terrific aplomb. They were not, I mean, they're disappointed, but not they're not broken. Um, in fact, yesterday they they staged a uh, protest 
over in-state tuition at the University of Georgia, one of the schools that are actually barred from attending even if they want to pay out-of-state tuition. They're not allowed to go to those schools. I'm thinking, what? So even if they're qualified to go, they can't go to those schools. Uh, so they uh, went into a, a classroom at the University of Georgia, and uh, or maybe it had been an elevator as well, and they basically refused to leave. And late last night, they arrested six of these kids, and they're they didn't do anything. They just sat there, arrested them, and hauled them off to jail up in Athens. And I'm sure they'll be released this morning. But, I mean, civil disobedience, this whole idea of education, I think education, like a lot of other things, is a basic human right. I mean, do you think Jefferson would disagree with me on that? I think Jefferson probably... Getting educated is a basic human right, the ability to get educated. Um, Now, I I heard a great question in the press conference yesterday is, well, why should Georgia taxpayers pay for this? Which which actual Georgia taxpayers are objecting to educating children? Because I'd love to talk to them. I'd love to figure which one... Really, what what is your problem with educating a child? I mean... You do know that these kids are not going to go home because this is their home. Uh, one of the young men yesterday was talking, and he'd come into the country when he was, I think, seven. Uh, spoke with a little bit of a southern accent, uh, clearly Latino. And he said, look, this is my home. I mean, I grew up not going anywhere. I, Mexico is not my home. I mean, I hardly have any family in Mexico. This is where I live. This is, where, this is what I believe in. This is why I want to be here. This is why I want education. This is where I want to stay after graduation. <laughs> and it's just interesting to me to see the the only reaction you can get from people who oppose giving in-state tuition is they want to punish people. You're rewarding lawbreakers. How did the child become a lawbreaker? When did that happen? Uh, well, when Obama started putting children in jail, a friend of mine would say that, that that's, that's a good point. Uh, but I just see no moral justification for denying these kids in-state tuition purposes. First of all, we're not talking about any actual money that the state's going to lose. And the economic impact gained from kids who have no education compared to kids with a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a law degree is huge. There's a huge difference in, uh, in, uh, in the income and taxes they pay over their lifetime. So the, the short-term investment in education pays off huge dividends going down the line. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, Donald Trump's not going to win the election, people. Ted Cruz is not going to win the election. We're not going to have a mass deportation of people. It's just not going to happen. So if that's not going to happen. Why don't we Why don't we gird up our loins a little bit here, and uh, and try to fix our problem? And we can fix it in this state. We have 17 states that give in-state tuition. Why is Georgia a laggard? Why is Georgia behind the times? Why is Georgia? Why do we still live? As one of the cameramen told me yesterday, why do we still live in 1950 in Georgia? I just found that was very interesting and very concise comment. Uh, disappointing, of course, uh, yesterday, but we will fight on. David, I'm kind of excited about the fight. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm contemplating the 19 members of the Board of Regents sitting behind the defense table uh, at, uh, at a trial in a case like this. I think that would be kind of fun. What do you, I mean, you can, you can imagine that, right? That would be kind of fun. So I'll have all 30, 40, 50 of my kids on one side. They all wear butterfly rings, by the way, to symbolize uh, being undocumented and being unafraid and being wanting an education, wanting to, to grow out of the cocoon. I mean, it's very, very kind of very uh, uh, symbolic. Sitting in one part of the courtroom and all the Board of Regents sitting in another. I just, that vision just excites me. I just think that would be so cool to see. I don't think they'll ever show up, ultimately. I'm sure the Attorney General will represent them and 
we'll never see them in court. But I may decide to depose some of these folks. I think that'd be kind of fun to do. I, I think so. Exactly why? Because here's what's interesting: when the kids ask them, here's their answer. All oh, the attorney general tells us not to do that. That's odd. When I asked the attorney general about this, there's no such memo. There's no such memo. So why are they lying to the kids? I mean, that's that's my question. Why are they lying to the kids? I I think that uh, uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. Um, but I am doing this uh, because I sincerely believe that education is the most important thing you can give a child. Uh, no matter how else they're raised, if they have an education, they then have the tools to make intelligent, smart choices in their life. They're not always going to make smart, intelligent choices, but people that are more educated always make better choices. Always. Uh, you might not agree with them sometimes, but they always make better choices as opposed to, for their own life, the life of their family and their children. So, David, that, that's kind of why I do this, and I'm kind of excited about it. Um, now, moving on to a different topic, David, um, yesterday there was a caucus, and uh, I've never lived in a caucus. Have you ever lived in a caucus state? How many are there? How there's a couple. I don't, I don't think I was the only one. I think there's a couple states like that. Um, but I never saw one before, and, and, and maybe, they, maybe they showed it before, but I've never really kind of paid attention, perhaps. So last night I was watching television, late last night, and... Uh, they were at a caucus at some high school gym in uh, in Iowa. So the Democrats caucus differently than the Republicans. So the Republicans actually um, count the actual votes. So it's, it's much more like a primary for Republicans. But to cast your vote, you've got to be there by 7. And you stay there until the counting's done. That's how the Republicans do it. But it's basically a raw vote count. And last night, the top three finishers for the, for the GOP got the most votes ever each of them more each of them got more than the most votes ever before for for an Iowa caucus winner <laughs> because they had the highest turnout ever in Iowa for a Republican um, they had uh, I think the highest turnout before was 120 which was just four years ago for for um, for Huckabee or Santorum I forget who won last for Huckabee or Santorum no no oh yeah Rom- Santorum quote won but Romney won at first and they had the whole flip from back and forth but both of them got less votes than the top three finishers this time. Uh, and so there was, I mean, like 60 or 80,000 people voting. Now, the, the theory was that would, that would imbue to Trump's benefit because he was really appealing to first-time caucus people. But it looks like Ted Cruz had a great get-out-the-vote get uh, campaign. Uh, and so he ended up capturing, I don't know, 28%. Uh, Cruz got 20, uh, Trump got 24 and Rubio got 23. Now, interestingly enough, Rubio only campaigned in like five counties of the 99. And, and uh, Ted did the, what they call the full Grassley, as he went to all 99 counties in Iowa. Uh, but uh, Rubio only focused on, on the heavily Catholic areas of Iowa, being currently a Catholic himself, but previously been, having been a Mormon. Uh, he uh, really imbued in them an excitement. So Rubio launches himself into this uh, next uh, next primary up in up in New Hampshire, where he's been polling below Kasich, below Christie, and below Bush. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The uh, Donald, who said second place is for losers a few months ago, finished in second place and apparently was quite happy about it. Uh, think about Donald. Apparently, he had like no ground game. He had nobody out getting the vote out. It was just people just deciding to go vote for Trump. 
Now, looking at the, but that was just that was boring. That was just boring vote counting, right? The the Democrats do it in a very interesting way. Everybody shows up at a big gym, and they have the left side is for Bernie, the right side is for Hillary, the top side is for O'Malley, and the bottom side is for undecideds. So they went to this one gym, and there was about I think they said four hundred and ninety nine people there. Three hundred and 80 of them were on the Bernie side. Like 85 on the Hillary side. O'Malley had like six. And there was about 20 undecided. Now here's where it gets really interesting. So what happens at that point, because you want to capture, apparently the idea is, in order for you to get votes, to get delegates out of each of these individual caucuses, you have to get at least 15% of those that attend. So Hillary's on the edge, right? But she's got enough to get votes. But they want it. They each want to get that those twenty people that were part of the undecided, and maybe swing O'Malley. And O'Malley may have dropped out last. Night. I'm not really quite sure, but he did get eight delegates last night. So it was really funny because the the Hillary people go over and talk to the independents. They leave. Then the, the Bernie Sanders people come over, and so the, the 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 reporter takes his mic in front of the Bernie Sanders people. And they're trying to convince the independents about why Bernie's the best candidate. And, and i got to tell you, David, I have never in my life heard as much misinformation and drivel come out of the mouth of a human being trying to convince somebody to vote for Bernie Sanders. This guy was actually saying, and it was, it was incoherent, but this is what he was saying, Bernie wants to make sure that everybody pays the same amount of taxes. Literally, he said those words. I'm thinking... I don't think Bernie says that. In fact, I think it's, that's the exact opposite of what Bernie Sanders has to say. Um, Bernie wants people who make a lot more money to pay a lot more taxes, not pay the same taxes as the guy making minimum wage. Um, and so one of the women on live TV calls him on it and uses the F word. Just on live TV. So it's NBC last night, and they come back to the studio, and they go, uh, sorry about that, folks. Um well, a little unclear about what happened there. It's a, the vagaries of live television. Passions can get a little heated. Um, but I found I, I thought it was very interesting. I thought that'd be kind of fun to go to something like that. Um, but the Republicans don't do it that way, probably because all the Republicans come armed. Uh, and you don't want any big fights breaking out of the Republican uh, uh, caucus. Democrats just come with peace and flowers and love and hope you'll go to their side. Well, it looks like Hillary won, though. Um, at the end of the day, about 3 o'clock in the morning, she's declared the winner. Uh, not by much, but here's the deal. Hillary won barely the people that showed up at caucuses. Here's what's interesting. There's other, and those, those people get like 42 delegates, so or 43 delegates. So Hillary gets 22 of those, Bernie gets 21. But there are things in Iowa called super delegates. Those are basically party leaders. Guess how many of those she got? All of them. So the Clinton machine, really, I don't think, was really worried about these caucuses, other than getting their 15% wherever they went. Uh, so Hillary comes out of there, Bernie loses. Is that a big deal that Bernie loses there? I think it's a huge deal, actually. And here's why. Who votes in Iowa? What is Iowa? Is Iowa like Georgia, population-wise? I mean, I'm talking about numbers, but like the way they look, the demographics. Are they, they look like Georgia? Oh, no. Do they, look, do they look like any southern state at all? No. I was 93% white. 
There's no southern state even close to those demographics. Who, who, you ever been to a Bernie rally? There, you know, there are some African Americans and some minorities, other minorities at Bernie's rallies, but the reality is 95% of Bernie's supporters tend to be white people, either young college kids, which he got like 89% last night of college kids, or older, kind of hippie people from the, from the 60s and 70s. They love Bernie. Uh, and, uh, but the problem is nobody else is feeling the burn. So Bernie's definitely going to win New Hampshire. But I would think Hillary doesn't even want to go to New Hampshire. She's going to get trounced in New Hampshire by Bernie. Because he get, I mean, when you're, you've been to New England, right? I mean, there's, those states are small. I mean, that's like Fulton County. <laughs> it's like one of our counties down here. So everybody in New Hampshire knows Bernie because all, all the newspapers, all the television, they're basically all the same up there. Um, and uh, so Bernie's going to win huge. But then we go to March 1st, uh, the SEC primary states, including here in Georgia. Uh, I just don't see Bernie having a single chance here in the South. I just don't see it. Now, he might pick up steam in California, but I think once Hillary sweeps most of the South, I think Bernie's toast at that point. And, uh, uh, but as far as the GOP is concerned, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, what really stuns me, after the, after the big... Um, uh, let's take a break here. Take our next break. We'll talk about the GOP here in a second and how it impacts immigration uh, on the immigration on America's web radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com Anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We were talking about the Republican caucuses last night in Iowa. So the guy who wins is currently the flavor of the week on, on anti-immigration people, um, but used to be very pro-immigration, supported doubling the number of green cards back uh, less than a decade ago under Bush. So apparently Ted Cruz has had a conversion. But Dave, could you vote for somebody you just don't like? I mean, you just don't like the guy. I mean, I do you know anybody who says, boy, I really like Ted Cruz? Obviously there must be a lot, but it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, my wife is... Eh, Leans towards my thinking, but mm -hmm. is certainly 
More moderate, perhaps. More moderate. But um, she and, and her friends, they just don't like Ted Cruz. They don't like when he opens his mouth. Yeah, I just... And he's, he looks sleazy and is sleazy. Does he look like... I mean, you're older. Does he look like Joe McCarthy, do you? No, not really. He reminds me of Joe McCarthy. He also reminds me of Eddie Munster, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But he opens his mouth, and there's just something irritating about it. The way he talks... It sounds just condescending. Um, and I mean, I, the guy just gives me the willies. <laughs> he just gives me the willies when he. I can't imagine being president. Oh, President Willies is on. Ooh, give me the willies. But the Republicans now say, "Oh, that Ru- Marco Rubio is is the new the new dawn of mankind." <laughs> you know, this is the same party who eight years ago said Obama's hasn't done anything in his life. He's a community organizer. He. He served like one term as a senator. He he was in the state legislature for a short period of time. He's never heard a real job. He's never had a real job. He's 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 like forty five years old. I mean, come on, what are we doing? And you could say those exact same things about Marco Rubio. Well, at least he wasn't a community guard. He was in the uh, Florida. He was what speaker he, of the House of Florida. Yeah, for like one term. But he didn't do anything. He just carried out Jeb Bush's agenda, and, and other than apparently abuse his credit card on occasion. Uh, he's poorly managed his own finances in his life. Um, he's constantly bailed out by a, by a very wealthy uh, um, auto dealer in South Florida uh, financially. Um, he's 44 years old. He's never had a real job uh, where he's produced things. Um, or gather anything or run anything. And he is every bit the professional politician that Obama was uh, running into this. Why do we want to put in another 44-year-old as president of the United States? And I just, I'm just guessing, I guess I'm getting old and grumpy about this, David. You're probably far less grumpier than me, although you are older. I mean, do you have a problem voting for somebody that young as president again with no, essentially no real-life experience? He hasn't even had teenagers yet. What can he know about running a country? You know, you bring up an interesting... Oh, I guess you're bringing it up. Um, yeah, I am older than you. And it's a shame that uh, a number of my friends feel the same way that I do. Uh, or I feel the same way that they do. In that um, I'm not for anybody. I don't think we have a great person that's come to the, you know, heavy cream moves to the top. Well, we have no... There's no heavy cream here. There's no heavy cream. I, I don't disagree and, uh, with that. I, I, I really on, a, on either side. I agree. I, I, I agree. There's no, there's nobody who compels me to say, my God, I would, I would lay down my life for that guy. Yeah. There just isn't anybody like that. You know why? People like that don't want to be president of the United States. Because they're humble. And, is, and you can't uh, be humble and, and, and do what they these guys do on a daily basis. I, I think that's part of the problem today. Part of the problem is money in politics has made somebody like Eisenhower coming forward again highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Um, and uh, the modern media, of course, you know, I mean, if the modern media had been around when Franklin Roosevelt was, was, was alive, he would never have been reelected to, to office, certainly not, not four different times. Um, because the media scrutiny that these guys go through is super intense. Uh, but surely there are great leaders lurking out there somewhere who will step up uh, to the plate and, and, and run one day. Um, so uh, Rubio, 
himself, I guess what really bothers me about Rubio, and I was listening to Lindsey Graham this morning talk about this, is he literally backed away from what would have been one of the most major legislative accomplishments of our time. And he could have taken full credit for it. But he literally ran away like a scared child uh, from the immigration bill that he himself helped author. He literally ran away from it. Uh, I think the man's a coward. And I could never vote for a coward. I mean... You know, I, I mean, I'd rather support Bush or Kasich or somebody or Christie, for God's sakes, even uh, people that aren't afraid. And I think I, I, if Rubio backs away from the from the conservative voters, how is he going to handle Putin? Uh, or or how is he going to handle Angela Merkel? For goodness' sakes, I mean, it's it's he to me, he does not have the. T- it's hard to take him seriously at this point. And I, I have friends that support him big time. Uh, I, I just really have a hard time taking a man seriously uh, who has changed on what is a very important issue in our society. Um, and well, that's um, not the only flip flop that he's done. No, no, there are there are several others that he's been caught red handed on. Uh, and then the reality is, I'm not sure what his stance on is on a lot of issues today. Um, well, I mean, what would you like to hear? <laughs> that's a really good question. I mean, I'd like to hear him have, you know, these guys all talk about eliminating Obamacare. All right, and Cruz, was, there's a great video of this on Cruz. All right, uh, you want to get rid of him, what's your plan? Well, Obama's care is costing us millions of jobs and jillions of dollars in money. Yeah, 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 I get that. What's your plan? We're going to figure that out. My plan is first plan? day in office, I'm going to do away with all the executive yeah, orders yeah. and Obamacare. Yeah, and what are you going to do? I mean, okay, that's great. Who do you, are you going to call people that lose their insurance that day individually? I mean, how are you going to handle that? Uh, and he just couldn't answer the question. As, that's almost as silly as Sanders saying, "I'm going to give free education." Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's there is no difference. There is no difference between those two things because neither one of them are going to happen. Now, do you and I believe that Obamacare is the come all end all of society? No, of course not. Has it helped people? Sure, it's helped some people. Has it hurt people? Sure, it's hurt some people. Can, is there a better solution out there? I'd love to hear one. Would you like to hear a better solution? You want people to have, be able to get health care, right? You know, I mean, you're not opposed to people dying in the streets. Now, di- now, Donald Trump has have a plan. We're going to go back to having people go to the emergency rooms to get their health care. Yeah, that worked out well for us last time. Uh, I'm just uh, really curious to, uh, to see where uh, this will go forward in the next week. So we've got a, a call, we've got a primary next Tuesday. Why they caucus on Monday? I don't know, but uh, primary next Tuesday. Maybe they just caucus on the first day of the month. I forget about that. So uh, New Hampshire will be next Tuesday, and then it'll be three weeks. Or does South Carolina go before the SEC? They do, don't they? So they must go like a week later, and then Nevada goes that same day or a week later, and then March 1 is the SEC primary. Okay. All right. Um well, that should be fun. At least we'll get some South Carolina coverage over here of Hillary and stuff. I'm sure Hillary has no desire to be in New Hampshire this week. She clearly has zero chance of winning up there. Um, and maybe this is maybe this finally uh, is the uh, uh, the beginning of the end uh, for Donald Trump, and we can just be rid of that. Even my sister can't stand Donald Trump. Thank you, Susan, for not standing Donald Trump. Uh, she is a recent convert to one of my favorite candidates, uh, Jeb Bush, and we'll see what goes from there. Uh, now, David, this whole this whole idea of immigration, Marco looks to me um, 
that he is trying to walk a line on immigration that's going to be difficult to keep going as he gets into the South. Here's what he said on a campaign on Monday in Iowa. Uh, talking about why it's uh, a, a, why immigration has become a difficult issue. You know why it's become so difficult, Rubio told the crowd Saturday? Because in 1986, Ronald Reagan did something out of the kindness of his heart. He legalized 3 million people, and they promised in legalizing they were also going to do security, and they never did security. Now, that is a very simplistic statement. Because, one, first of all, Ronald Reagan didn't give amnesty to anybody. The United States Congress creates our laws. Now, Reagan advocated for it, as did Democrats in Congress. And so they agreed on that. And then they said, here's how we're going to do enforcement. And the enforcement was that U.S. employers were going to become immigration agents and require an I-9 before everybody gets a job. And think about this, 86, David. Uh, that's how you worked, right? You got a job. I mean, it wasn't a lot of new startups happening. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, we live in an age in the in the twenty first century where you want a job, you can create your own job. Nineteen eighty six, you got a job. You looked for a job. You weren't looking to be creative. You got a job, um, and so that was the easy solution. Um, but what did Congress do? Did Congress allocate enough money to the Immigration Service to enforce I nines? No. Did they allocate enough money to the border? No. So it's funny. He says. Um, they promised they were also going to they, they who is they who is the they he is talking about he never defines the they Reagan Bush the presidents presidents can't spend money they don't have Congress decided not to do this they um, Rubio said that without security measures 3 million people became 12 million people not true also not true and this is what I hate about politicians who try to simplify stuff so that it becomes a truth when, in fact, it is a bald-faced lie. You know why we have 11 million people in America today that are undocumented? Because of the United States Congress. They passed that law in 1996 that made it a penalty that once you did come in and you left, you would be permanently barred. They made it impossible to get a green card in the United States for people that came in illegally. They made it basically impossible to leave the country and get a green card. So people that in the past would have normally ebbed and flowed and would have been able to adjust and get green cards were forced to live in the shadows permanently. Now, 20 years in the United States because Congress changed the law. That's what caused the volume of illegal immigration that we have coupled with Congress's failure to allocate sufficient funds to border enforcement, technology, and interior enforcement. It's not a failure of the executive branch. It's a failure of the United States Congress to do any of this stuff. And it just bugs me to no end that the United States Congress and schleps like this loser Marco Rubio want to blame somebody else for the problems that he is actually a part of. And yet, you could have fixed this problem two years ago, Marco, and you ran away with your tail between your legs because you're a freaking coward. So here's what he says. He, he criticized Obama's use of executive orders on immigration, which there aren't any. There are no executive orders on immigration. There are DHS policy memos, which is a huge difference, and it doesn't encourage the economic crisis, the, the unaccompanied minor crisis on the border. Yet another lie, that unaccompanied minor crisis on the border is a fact related to 
mom and dad being in the country illegally, the nightmarish uh, economic and security situation in those countries, mom and dad sending for their kids to come to America, or mom and dad sending their kids to America because they're terrified of what's going to happen to them in their home country. That's what's happening, Marco, baby. Marco, you should really try to understand what this issue really is before you try to blow smoke up people's butts uh, to get their votes. David, I'm really pissed off right now. Let's take our final break here on America's Web Radio and come right back. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment on America's Web Radio. David, I'm a little more relaxed now. I was a little, little getting a little revved up there about Marco. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, well, here's what he said and finally. We'll work through that as a society, but what I'm not going to do is ram it down your throat. I'm not going to sign an executive order and say, I don't care what the American people think. We will engage the American people how to fix it, but only after we know that this will never happen again. So basically, you have to travel into the future, determine which of the alternate futures is good for you, Marco. Then you will travel back to the present and work out a plan knowing what will happen in the future. Hmm. I I didn't know he was running for time travel. Is he like Doctor Who or something? Maybe he's Doctor Who. We just don't know it. Uh... I would never vote for Marco Rubio. I'm sorry. Uh, in fact, you know, I was asked for my endorsement yesterday by a presidential candidate. Did you know that? You were surprised by that? You're surprised by that, aren't you, David? I mean, I'm a world-famous uh, podcast host. I'm on, I'm on America's web radio, listened to by dozens of people a week. Um, you, you're stunned that I would be asked for an endorsement by a presidential candidate? Who was the presidential? Gary Johnson who was running for the Libertarian uh, 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 ticket uh, for President of the United States. I like Gary Johnson. He's good on a lot of issues. Smart guy. Very good governor of of, uh, New Mexico. Did a great job there. What was great about Gary is that he was scandal-free. Business owner. Used to to run a a construction company. Overall, good guy. Met him a number of times. Overall, a really good guy. So you will see my endorsement of Gary Johnson for President. Now, 
that said, Gary Johnson has zero chance of becoming president of the United States. Let's not kid ourselves about that. I think even Gary Johnson realizes he's not going to be president of the United States. Um, but I think he brings a really important point to the table that, you know, there isn't just two political parties in America. There are, there are options out there, uh, but most people just don't know about that. So I would encourage all my friends to go to GaryJohnson.com or uh, Gary Johnson for president. or Just Google him because I don't have no idea what his website is uh, and uh, see what he stands for. Gary's a good guy, but he's not going to win. So uh, that's okay. I still support him. Um, so it's really interesting to me to see Rubio talking about immigration, running away. He has still never explained why he's willing, why he wants to run away. Now, here's what Rubio is going to do. He's going to add 20,000 agents and 700 miles of fencing and walls to the border, create an exit entry tracking system for those who overstay their visas, as well as an e-verify program to stop the job magnet. Magnet. Maggot. Um, all right, Dave, let's look at that. 20,000 Border Patrol agents. David, you lived on the border or close to it, right? Yeah, well, you live in Texas. It's the border. Okay? You know the border. You know South Texas. Um, you know New Mexico. You know Arizona, Southern California. We're going to find 20,000 men and women to be agents that qualify for the job on the border? You know. That aren't corrupt? They don't get bought off by cartels, by smugglers? Simple yes or no question, David. Easy? Not easy. No. It could be done, I suppose. How much do you have to pay somebody to do that job? Well, you know, you, you, you brought up a thing about why a minute ago. Uh-huh. The why is the same thing it's always been. Follow the money. money. I, love, I love when you say that. Follow the money. Who's going to benefit from having 20,000 more Border Patrol agents? What does that cost us exactly, Marco? Well, one, it's not going to happen. But well, it's certainly not going to happen. I mean, and, and even if even if Congress somehow authorized twenty thousand new border patrol agents, where do you think they're going? How much do you have to pay these guys? How long are they going to be border patrol agents they're, for? They're one of the lowest paid. Oh, law enforcement. Ex- exactly. Probably really the lowest paid law enforcement. These guys make in the low twenties, high teens, and it requires a bachelor's degree. So, who are you going to attract to those jobs, really? Uh, I guess the people that are taking psychology or... Sociology, geography is their major. Now, I mean, I know Border Patrol agents. They're good men and women. But I think they'd be the first to tell you it's a crappy job. Uh, and the turnover rate is high. And getting new employees in is expensive. I mean, I, most of the Border Patrol agents I know got out of doing the Border Patrol work as quickly as they possibly could and got into management or other law enforcement fields. So it, it, Rubio is just smoking dope here about this. 700 miles of fencing and walls. You only want to put 700 miles in? And exactly where are you going to put that? And how do you deal with the environmental impact? And how do you deal with the border impact? And how do you deal with the animals that come back and forth? And where are you going to get the money to do that, actually? And who's going to maintain those 700 miles of fences? Who's going to make that money? Who's, which one of your cronies is going to get that, Marco? Um, and then he create an exit entry system. Now, Dave, this actually, I need to have a, a guest on in a couple weeks about this exit entry system. In 1996, Congress mandated an exit entry system into the United States. Since then, how much money has Congress allocated to the mandated entry exit system? Are you aware? David, you're shocking me. You are aware. It's zero dollars. Um, so do we have an entry system? Clearly, we have an entry system, right? You come through the border, you come through the airports. 
why don't we have an exit system? Last week we talked about this a little bit. We don't have an exit system because we don't necessarily need an exit system, and it wouldn't add anything to the ability of law enforcement to find people. We already know who doesn't leave. The question is, how do we find them? And an exit system does not help us do that. So short of sticking an RFID chip in the neck of every visitor to America so we can track them when David's like, it's not you know. Uh, you better go buy stock in the RFID chip company. Uh, there's, you know, when they come in, they fill out a form and says, I'm going to stay at this hotel. Great. They're gone. They're in the wind at that point. How many agents do you need to hire to track down the supposed 500,000 people who overstayed their visas last year? How many agents does that take? Every agent could get, let's say, one person a week. So let's see, we're going to need about, mm, let's see, that's 50 a year you could get, 50. To, so basically need another 1,000 agents just to track down visa overstays. And then what do you do? Knock on their door, wait till they go to work, uh, rest them in their car. Um, is that what you're going to do? Is that how that works? Um, it's wonderful to talk about these grandiose ideas. And an exit in the airport. How much does it cost you to build an exit system at every international airport and port of entry to the United States? How much does that cost? Because right now there is no – you can't – now I see you go to the Hartsfield and say, look, Delta, you can, we're going to have our exit control system in Terminal F. So you can only have flights leave internationally from Terminal F because we have to get exit control here. And by the way, the trains are not going to be able to work here anymore. People won't be able to leave. Once they're in the terminal, they won't be able to leave, and that's the end of the story. Um, how's that going to go over with Delta? Well, first of all, it's impossible. There's not enough gates in, in that one terminal to handle it. So, Marco, you should tell the truth to people. The E-Verify system, it already works. You want to make it mandatory? Fine, make it mandatory. But you can't make it mandatory to employers and then say, well, I'm sorry, you couldn't find any legal workers. You have to close down. Have a nice day. So you can't do that thing in a vacuum. I mean, I... You want to do it? Fine. I don't. At this point, I really don't care. It's it's got major problems with it, but I don't care. Um, but you cannot do it in the context of a vacuum. You've got to have some process in place. Um, and here's what Rubus is: We're not going to deal with the 12 million people only to find out 10 years from now we have another 12 million people. Well, I can promise you we won't, because of those 12 million or 11 million, six million are Mexican, and we're not going to get six million more Mexicans coming here. There just aren't any. There aren't enough of them. There's no desire to come here. Um, I, I just um, I, I do enjoy the fact that Marco would give people a background check, learn English, pay a fine, pay taxes, get a work permit, and ten years later they can they can they can apply for a green card. There have to be consequences for violating our immigration laws. You mean our civil immigration laws, which have no criminal penalties to them? Those the ones you're talking about? You want to basically make people suffer in purgatory for ten years? Uh, this guy. Uh, I got to tell you, for a Christian, that purported Christian, I just don't get it. I think he should go back to listening to his mom and say, "Who says Marco? Remember the remember the poor immigrants, because Marco, you are a giant failure. You're a giant failure, and you're a coward. Running away from this issue a couple of years ago is, um, I mean, I just got to tell you, I, I'm I'm wildly disappointed. I would be disappointed if he was the candidate, uh, because I think Hillary would spit him up and chew him out." like a piece of, of used chiclet uh, on the ground. And, um, you know, at the, end, at the end of the program now, David, um, there's lots of other stuff going on candidate-wise. I, uh, I, I do hope to see um, 
Bush uh, bring out uh, a much more uh, uh, and Kasich a much more impactful statements on immigration here going forward. Hopefully, both of them will survive the New Hampshire primaries. But as you know, David, uh, New Hampshire was where uh, four years ago John Huntsman put his last stand. He finished third, and he dropped out. And from there, it was basically a cascade. Romney beginning to win everything. Um, Huckabee or Santorum, I forget who it was, hung around till the end, but they were basically non-factors uh, in the grand scheme of things. I think some candidates will hang around a little bit longer, but I think you'll see uh, after New Hampshire, several governors drop out. I think if Christie doesn't finish in the top two or three, he's gone uh, at that point. And um, what I would love to see is momentum gather behind one of the governors, I mean, aren't, don't we really need a governor back in the White House, some guy with real governing experience um, instead of a first-term senator? Have we not had our, had our fill of first-term senators at this point for quite some time? Um, and by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but apparently yesterday uh, Donald Trump turned orange. You should go look at yesterday's picture of him from his press conference. Uh, he has goggle eyes, so he's got the white eyes, and he's orange the rest, the rest of his head. Uh, I thought that was really weird, um, kind of John Boehner-esque in some ways. Um, so, David, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. If you would like to be on our show, you have any questions or comments, email me at chuck at immigration.net or, uh, immigration.net or email David better at david at uh, America's Web Radio. Uh, we'll be back here on the uh, Immigration Hour podcast next Tuesday uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern uh, livecast and then on your iTunes whenever you want to listen to it. Till then, have a great week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.